Let's pray. God, we've come here this morning to meet with you. We come humbly, we come with open ears, and we look for you to speak to our lives and to change us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you that you are truth. Help us see more clearly. In Jesus' name, amen. Lions. Now, I wonder if any of you have heard a lion roar. When I ask that question, I don't mean on the telly. I don't mean the Lion King. But it is a fair question with all the traveling we can do these days as to whether some of you have actually heard a lion roar. I know for Emma and I, when we worked in Central Africa, we were up in Garamba National Park, close to the Sudanese border, and we had a campfire. And to hear the roar of a lion at night from a few miles away, there's a tingle went down your spine because you knew that the only thing that separated you from the lion was the canvas of the tent. It was quite a fearsome thing to, to hear that roar of the lion. Last week, Alison introduced us to the book of Amos in which God is likened to a roaring lion. And today's passage doesn't get any easier. We're in the middle, we're looking now at the middle passage of Amos. Here is a God, however, who is at the end of his tether with his people. A God who is exasperated. A God who loves his people so much and yet they won't live the way that God intended for them. He loves them, however, too much to let them go on living in this way. To living superficial, presumptuous, complacent lives that are based on injustice and self-centeredness. So I'd like us to look and see in this chapter what this is about. We'll notice in chapter 5 there's three key places are mentioned. Bethel, Beersheba and Gilgal. And Amos sort of structures his message around that in chapter 5. Now these three places, I wonder what places are significant for you. I wonder what places in your history was a special place. A place where you had your children baptized, a place where you got married, a place where you had a life-changing event. Bethel, Beersheba and Gilgal were places like that for the people of Israel. It was at Bethel that Jacob first wrestled with God. Jacob the wanderer, the shepherd, the man who had whose life was dominated by his past and his decisions and his mistakes, came to Bethel and he wrestled with God and he left a man with a future. He knew God as a reorientating, renewing power at Bethel. It was a special place. Beersheba was a special place too for the people of Israel because it was Beersheba where these words were first mentioned to the people of Israel. I am is with you. The almost unutterable words of the holy God. I am is with you. Wow, what a special place that would be to hear God say that. And finally, Gilgal. Gilgal was the place, if you remember, once they'd got out of Egypt, crossed the reds, crossed the, the water, um, miraculously. And when they sighed, they put up a monument at Gilgal and said, thank God that God is with us. He is our protector. And so, as they think of Bethel, Beersheba, and Gilgal, so they think of God as our renewing power. 
God as our orientation, God as our deliverer. And so in chapter 5, to hear God say, don't go to these places, is shocking. That's what God says a couple of times in chapter 5, if you listened. Don't bother going to Gilgal. Don't go on your bank holiday pilgrimages. What's this? You got a message? <laughs> Not quite sure, Ryan, what, um, what, the, what the message is. I'm trying to think of what the message could be you've got for me, but um, we'll get onto water a bit later. So, uh, so, so thanks for that. So what has gone wrong with the people of Israel? What's happened? Why is God feeling passionate and sad and intervenes in a judgmental fashion with them? There's two things that are very clear in the book of Amos. One, God says, I don't just want ceremonies for, in my name. I want to meet with you. And second thing God says is, please concern about how you live and not just the words you use. Don't be hypocrites. Live your life based in reality and on truth. Don't just come looking for blessing and expect not to be changed. Come and meet me. Two things that Amos is, is, is about. Be true with God. Meet with God. Be righteous people and people that are hungry and thirsty for, for justice. We read in Amos chapter 2, they sell the righteous for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. They trample the poor in the dust and push the afflicted out of the way. And in chapter 4, we have these words, You women of Samaria are like fat cows. You ill-treat and abuse the poor and needy. Then you say to your husbands, Bring us more drinks. The ignorance of the rich crushing the poor. Even the poor must little, lose a the little they have to satisfy the wants of the lady of the manor. It's that kind of picture. And so we see that In Amos' day, the people of God gathered and did religious things. They went to these well-known places because they had been special to them in times past, and they enjoyed going there. But they sang, they went, they sang, and they left unchanged. That's the problem. And so Amos says, don't bother going to Bethel. Don't bother going to Beersheba or Gilgal. Come to me, not to Bethel. Come and be yourself. Come and be changed by me. Don't just use religious words. And live your life to show that you've been changed by me. Live your life based on truth and justice. James, click on to the next slide because we have a prayer here that comes from South Africa, I think. You asked for my hands that you might use them for your purpose. I gave them for a moment, then withdrew them. For the work was hard. You asked for my mouth to speak out against injustice. I gave you a whisper that I might not be accused. You asked for my eyes to see the pain of poverty. I closed them for I didn't want to see. You asked for my life that you might work through me. I gave a small part that I might not get too involved. In the New Testament, in the Beatitudes, Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness and justice. 
hunger after righteousness and justice. Because if we have truly met with God, our hearts will be turned to the things that turn God's heart. We will see as God sees. We will know God's compassion, which is not just for us, but for our world. And so, the next slide has got this wonderful quote, the pursuit of holiness is not just a way of life or a rule of life, but is a means of life. In verse 14 and 15, as Boyd said, Boyd read, it said, seek God and not evil that you may live. Hate evil and love good and establish justice at the gate. When we set ourselves in accordance with God's ways, we come into a much grander understanding of what life is all about. So often we come wanting God's blessing. We come to God as a comfort blanket. And God in this passage says, no, just come to me. Don't come looking for my blessing. Come to me as you are to be changed. What about our our world? What about our time? What are the issues around in terms of how God's heart is feeling at the moment in our world? What's been happening in Darfur recently? Slipped off our TV screens. Has the situation got better? Did you know what the Lord's Resistance Army are doing in Central Africa? They're burning down villages and people's homes. We're seeming to uncover more massacre, more more killing in Sri Lanka done by the government as as the end of the Tamil Tigers drew close. The blockade into Gaza has raised questions of how, what do we do with these situations? What percentage of aid, of humanitarian aid, has not been allowed into Gaza? In Burma, we have a, a corrupt regime that we've had for years. Christians are being killed in Iraq. There's ethnic fighting in Kurdistan. One of the things for us as Christians is that injustice will touch us. We, God can't stand injustice. If we are Christians, we, we rail against these things. And we stand up and we say, no, we want justice for everyone. Now these situations I've talked about are far away and sometimes we can say, they're a bit complicated, I don't understand it all. What about closer to home? Interesting, in Christmas time, we were talking in this church about a situation in Merseyside. And the statistic, some children in Merseyside one out, nine out of ten are living in poverty in a certain part of marriages. These things are quite horrifying. It's easy to look far away and think the problem's over there. What about in our own land? What about in Bedford? What about in London? What about in Cambridge? Issues of injustice. What about in Camborne? Do you know about the raft group that are concerned about sewage getting into people's house in Camborne? The developers have allowed this to happen for many years. Totally unacceptable. As Christians, we must reel against that and say, no, people can't live that way. That offends God, that offends us. And for us as a church, what other issues are there that we need to be systematically concerned about? Are there things that we as a church should be taking on more than we do? Jesus said, blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness and justice. Righteousness, being right with God. Justice, living right with other people. Maybe it's worth asking yourself, what militates against that? What stops us from being hungry for justice? Maybe it's overeating. 
Maybe it's our fondness with words, with our religiosity, which means that we don't see the big issues around us. Our fondness for luxuries. What prevents me from looking someone in the face? Sharing what I have. Starting with what I've got. For God puts us all in situations where we can live and be God's hands and feet. As we baptize Ryan and Lucy today, we come looking for God's blessing, but we come recognizing as they carry that candle, may they be candle bearers in places of darkness. May they stand up for justice and against injustice. And as we spoke of them joining the the church here in Camborne, they too are becoming part of an international liberation movement around the world. That's our prayer. That's my prayer for them and for us as a church, that we grasp God's hatred of injustice, clearly seen in this book of Amos. You know, when Amos writes it, he went into the marketplace and said this passage this morning, dressed as a mourner with ash in his head and his clothes in sackcloth, to communicate powerfully how God wants us to share God's love and God's creation and to be passionate about living true lives and not being hypocrites. I want to finish with a picture. Verse 24, I think, of chapter 5 talks about let justice flow like rivers, like a never-ending stream. 1990, I had the good chance to be at Iguazu. This meets on the border of Argentina, Brazil, and Paraguay. And it's a place before you get there, you feel yourself getting wet because of the, the humidity in the air. And everyone's encouraged to wear a cagoule. Um, and the roar, the roar of thousands upon thousands of gallons of water is unstoppable. And I think the picture we have here is that one day God's justice will come and it will be unstoppable. So watch out, you who try and trick God, who don't live light their lives in the light of God's love and God's goodness. God's justice, God is a God of justice. God's love is, God's justice and mercy is unstoppable. Let's listen to its roar. I want to finish with this prayer that we have on the slide. St. Teresa was grappling with these things, even in the 16th century. What are the things that God calls me to do? to be passionate, to be hungry for, to be concerned about. We're bombarded with information. And yet look at your own hands. Think about what you see. Look at your feet, the direction of our lives. And maybe together, as we finish, we we could say this prayer. Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which he looks in, compassion on this world. Christ has no body now on earth but yours.